0: We are still basking in the glow of BYU's huge win over the Baylor Bears. Where does BYU end up in the national rankings? Well, they passed the University of Utah for one. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about what I took away from the game. And I got a lot of notes from my film review as I rewatched that game. Very, very impressed with the number of guys. We got all of that coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making us here on Locked On Cougars, your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around the network is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. By the way, a big thank you to all of you who have subscribed to the show, whether it's via the regular podcast platforms or on YouTube. You guys are seeing those. Well, we're seeing those numbers skyrocket. And it's a big credit to all of you for support. Your- Support on that front. Uh, by the way, real quick, by way of introduction, if you're just checking us checking us out for the very first time, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK. But then I spend my off hours moonlighting as your host here. And our goal here, my goal here, simply stated, is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room. All right, let's dive in on today's show. And BYU gets that twenty six to twenty double overtime victory over the Baylor Bears. And folks. Uh, Celebrate! That was a massive, massive win for BYU. I know Uriah Leotawa uh, came, he didn't come on the show, he was on social media saying that, well, in 2019, BYU figured this out, and this should not be a surprise to any BYU fans. Well, uh, Uriah, no offense, but these wins are still stunning, even if BYU has made a habit of winning these games, because the way that win came was BYU just doing it with pure grit and determination. A lot of things weren't going right for BYU in that game, in particular, their inability to run the football against the Baylor Bears. And that's actually where I want to start on my film review for a moment here. Uh, That is that BYU could not run the ball effectively against Baylor. For the game, BYU ended up with 33 carries for 83 yards, an average of 2.5 yards per carry. That's not what you want to see for BYU. But it is not out of the ordinary when BYU is faced off against Baylor. I'll take you back just a year ago to 2021. BYU in that game in Waco, Texas ran for a grand total of 24 times for 67 yards. That's a 2.8 yard per carry average. So, and funny enough, 56 of those yards, well actually not 56, there were some sack yards factored in, but 56 yards came on that touchdown run for Jaron Hall in this game. BYU has struggled to run the football against one of the stingiest run defenses in the country, speaking of the Baylor Bears. Now a number of you out there, I've seen in my social media comments, also on our YouTube channel, are saying that you think Lopini Katoa should be running back one for BYU. I'm not giving up on Chris Jackson because I know the coaching staff is not giving up on Chris Jackson quite yet. I'll just take you back to what BYU did against Baylor a year ago. Tyler Algier, yes, the man who has a 1,600-yard season, the single-season rushing record in BYU football history. In the game against Baylor a year ago, 15 carries, 33 yards, 2.2-yard per carry average, and one touchdown. His long on the night, 7 yards. Last night, not last night, it would have been uh, two nights ago for BYU. Christopher Brooks, 13 carries, 31 yards, 2.4 yard per carry average, and a long run of six yards. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, do not give up on Christopher Brooks. I think he has still got more to offer. The good news is, should he falter in any way, guys like Lupini Katoa can step up in critical moments like he did in that game against Baylor and help win that football game. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So That's the, that's the positive if you're a BYU fan. Now, the other thing I, I want to talk about here, a couple other things, is I want to start off by talking a little bit about BYU's rush defense. In the game against Baylor a year ago, Baylor as a team ran for 47 times for 303 yards 6.4 yards per carry also tallied four touchdowns on the ground. That was the Achilles heel for BYU in that game. They could not get off the football field. Baylor ran it through around and over BYU. I felt like going into this game, many of you might recall, in my keys to the win for BYU, I felt like if they kept Baylor under 200 yards and closer to 150 yards, there's a very good chance BYU could win this football game. Well, what do they go out and do as a defense? 52 carries for the Baylor Bears, just 152 yards in this game, 2.9 yards per carry. That is called market improvement, folks, on the rush defense, and I saw it all night long when I rewatched that game. BYU's defensive line took it upon themselves, to make life miserable for this Baylor offensive line. Were there times that Baylor opened up holes? Absolutely. It was not necessarily a perfect game by any means for BYU uh, when it came to rushing the football, but Baylor was intent to make sure that they were intent to make that rushing game the focal point of their offense. And by the way, I got to just question what Jeff Grimes is thinking. He took the ball out of Blake Shapin's hands far too often, I felt like, in this game. Blake Shapin finished the game 18 of 20 at 137 yards. But in the overtime periods, uh, late in the fourth quarter, going into the overtime periods, I think there was a period or BYU. Baylor ran, I think, nine straight run plays. You got to trust your quarterback. The game against Baylor this this year, Gary Bohannon was trusted a year ago to go out there and do what he needed to do against BYU. Blake Shapen was not in this game, and that actually worked to BYU's advantage. Blake Shapen finished the game with four uh, carries for minus 22 yards, all of those coming on sacks by the BYU defensive line. I was very impressed with BYU's defensive front. In particular, a couple of guys I really like, Fisher Jackson, playing on the edge, especially in relief of Tyler Batty. Tyler Batty left with what was described as an abdominal injury. Of course, we'll be monitoring that in the lead up to uh, Oregon this week when BYU heads to Odson because losing potentially your best pass rusher is never something you want to have to deal with, but they did play over half of that game without Tyler Batty on the football field. So I feel like Isaac Fisher Jackson stepped up in a big way. Logan Latouille, by the way, the walk on from Weber State, the son in law of Jack Tamouni, I thought he was going to kind of be a bit player, was not necessarily going to be a guy who is going to impact BYU, but he had his moments in this game. I- I'm actually quite impressed with him coming up a level of football a guy coming in from Weber State he was actually very impressive along the defensive front as well Caden Haas if you don't know Caden Haas where's the number 95 got absolute tree trunks for legs he's like six foot 300 and some odd pounds he's just an absolute bowling ball of a human being the last two games against USF and Baylor he has been phenomenal at nose tackle in that game I really really like what I'm seeing from that young man and I hope that he continues to, uh, to build on this because I think Caden can lock down that nose tackle position He's the number one guy right now. There's no doubt about that. But I think he can make it his own if he continues to show what he has showed so far in the first two games of this season. Some other the defensive players I thought stood out quietly. Jacob Bourne has become a key cog for BYU's defense. He plays that nickelback position, so it's it's kind of a spot role where he comes in and has his opportunities to impact the game. But once again, against USF, he actually led BYU in tackles. And against Baylor, I thought he had some very, very good moments in that game as well. Jacob Bourne. That breakout performance against Washington State, that's not the one game that he shows up for. He has showed up on film twice so far this year. The other thing, by the way, going back to the defensive front real quick as I look at my notes here, uh, the, the pass rush for BYU's defensive line right now, it's not sophisticated by any means. It's, they're not uh, doing rip-pull techniques, swim moves, that type of stuff. They're winning right now just on sheer guts and uh, determination. They're bull-rushing guys. They're just using brute force. And you know what? It may not be flashy. It may not be pretty. It may not be the most technically sound way to do it, but it is effective. You tally four sacks in this game against one of the more vaunted offensive lines you're going to face this year. Baylor's offensive line was a top five offensive line going into the season, and they played like it, by and large, I felt like, in that game. But BYU's defensive line more than held their own. Now, a couple other notes uh, defensively as well. The linebacking core. Ben Bywater, I know that Max Tooley took all of the headlines because of his just absolutely stellar play, leading the way with 13 total tackles. But if you did not see Ben Bywater number 2 as well as Keenan Peely flying all over the field making plays, you missed out on two other great linebacking performances. I really thought that linebacking core, what BYU's got going right now, the defensive scheme they're running, it's all thanks in part to that linebacking core being healthy. Think of how many guys were injured along that linebacking core last year and how crippled BYU's defense felt down the stretch. Right now, these guys are healthy. Knock on wood, they stay healthy this entire year because if they are healthy, it sure looks like BYU's defense is going to be a whole lot better, Uh, and they're going to be much, much more formidable this year. They were formidable the first three or four games last year in 2021, and They won a lot of football games, but we all know that the tail end of the season really was starting to teeter a little bit, and it feels like right now they're back to doing what they can do. Now, offensively, Chase Roberts, once again, absolute stud. I had a good friend of mine, Brian Brown of Ute Zone, uh, formerly the host of Locked On Utes. He actually was in attendance at the game. Yes, he was in Lavelle Edwards Stadium cheering on BYU in that game. Okay, maybe cheering on BYU is too strong of a term for the Brown Bear himself. But he actually texted me in the middle of the game, and I asked him if I could use this. He said, go right on ahead. He thinks that Chase Roberts should be used in a role like the San Francisco 49ers used Debo Samuel. What he means by that is you saw Chase Roberts, of course, running post routes, go routes. The, the toe tap touchdown would have been good in the NFL. He got both feet down on that touchdown throw. By the way, what a dot from uh, Jaron Hall, by the way, on that throw. But what they also showed is he's his ability to come into the backfield and use uh, play on those swing routes. I'd actually use him in the fly sweep stuff as well for BYU. Chase Roberts, his potential is unlimited. And I saw that once again on film. Eight catches, 122 yards, one touchdown. He's one of the players of the game. There's absolutely no ball, no doubt. Give him the helmet sticker, give him the game ball, whatever you hand out to delineate uh, your preferred star players. He was all that. And the good news is, he's going to have an opportunity. If either Gunner or Puka are unavailable this week against Oregon, or both are unavailable, well guess what? Once again, number 27 is probably going to be leading the way for BYU's wide receiving core. Now, along the offensive front, I really thought the BYU's offensive line... They had their moments where they gave Jaron Hall all of the time to throw the football. And when they gave him that time, he was very, very good. He finished 23 of 39 for 261 yards, the one touchdown, a QB rating of 69.4. Not his best performance, but very far from his worst performance. The biggest thing I thought for BYU's offensive line is they played against one of the best defensive lines they're going to see this year. This was a game, folks. I said it on my Twitter feed early on in this game. This game was going to be one in the trenches more so than most games are. We all know that it all starts up front with the offensive and defensive lines doing battle in every single game. But this game between Baylor and BYU, it was an absolute war in there. And BYU, they were... They were really, really good in moments. There are other moments they weren't so good. I saw Campbell Barrington only got one series, and then BYU essentially stuck with the same five offensive linemen: Freeland Barrington at left tackle, left guard; Connor Pay at center; you put Harris LeChance at right guard, and then Kingsley Suamataia out there. All but one series, based on what I watched, uh, was out there at right tackle. So BYU, I think they've kind of established their five guys, and barring something unforeseen, those are going to be the dudes who lead the way along BYU's offensive front. I did have to laugh by the way in uh, the the so it was in the second overtime period uh, uh, let's see who was it Connor Galvin who is one of the best offensive linemen out there he plays left tackle for the Baylor Bears and he uh, on on the third down play so third and goal uh, Lorenzo Fauatea was going heads up with him, and he was trying to get the referee to call some flag on Lorenzo Fauatea. I know that uh, Zoe got called for a defensive holding call, by the way, like in the fourth quarter. Well, it was absolute garbage. I rewatched that play about five different times. If there's defensive holding on that play, there's holding every single play that needs to be flagged. It was just absolutely horrendous. But the best part was Connor Galvin. He tries to get the referee to flag Lorenzo Fauatea, and then the very next play, what does he do? False starts, false starts, backs Baylor up, and from that point on, it was an uphill climb for Baylor to have any hope of tying or winning that football game. So, you know, one of those things like, ball don't lie, that's exactly what that was in the moment. It made me chuckle uh, to see that. Also, uh, BYU, they're going to have to uh, teach their cornerbacks and defensive backs that you can no longer go low on offensive linemen or players coming out to block on the perimeter. I know it sounds like a massive disadvantage for these defensive backs to have to go up with a 300-pound offense of Lyman who's got a full head of steam coming at them but it's how the rule is written but I do not get how Baylor got away with the one on the touchdown pass to Jaron Hall that trick play their cornerback took Kingsley Suamati's knees out he just absolutely blitzed him and they don't flag that one I guess it doesn't count if you score a touchdown I don't know I if rules are going to be rules Call it in every instance. Don't just call it in certain instances. that That's my, I, I've got my own beef with how officiating sometimes goes. And that one was a little bit, a little bit bothersome. By the way, that trick play, I guess this will probably be the final note. I think here. Oh, uh, one other thing here. no, that's it. Okay, so the final thing here on the trick play, that is the trick play that BYU has used many, many times in their wins. I think back to the it was the first time we saw it, it was the double pass against Wisconsin. I remember, Hifo, heaving it to Moroni Laulu Pututau. and BYU has pulled it out of their bag of tricks every year since then, since 2018. To decent effect. It hasn't been necessarily as effective as that very first time when uh, MLP was wide open against the Badgers. But this was a variation of that because BYU set it up like they were going to go that double pass. Chase Roberts was looking down the field at the tight end and wide receiver who had run routes. But then the offensive line delays for a counter two and then you, as you saw he throws it back to Jaron Hall. And he's got a convoy of four of his offensive linemen out there in front of him. What an incredible variation drawn up by Aaron Roderick. I wonder how long He's been holding on to that play for because that was just, you just got a slow clap for him. That was a masterclass of. Uh, Offensive ingenuity. I really, really like that. Oh, by the way, okay, I don't know. I said that was the final. One other thing. it was going to see guys like NYSA Mahe back out there on the football field when uh, you saw Caden Hawes get injured in the overtime period. They put NYSA onto the football field. Comes in cold, and I thought acquitted himself quite well. Also, Micah Harper coming in. Hadn't played much in this game. Comes in at safety, and I actually had a very, very nice tackle in that overtime period as well. So BYU's depth was on full display in this game. It got late in that game. You're playing extra snaps. Guys start to get a little worn out. The good news was BYU's depth was up to the snuff in this game. We're going to find out more about it as they get ready to take on the Oregon Ducks. That's what we're going to talk a little bit more about coming up next. we got another top 25 showdown up in Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon this coming Saturday afternoon. We're going to talk about where BYU's ranked, where Oregon is ranked. we got all of that coming up in just a moment right here on Locked On Cougars. First off, let's talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. This episode of Locked On Cougars brought to you by your friends over at Underdog Fantasy. The easiest place to spice up the college football season. The best part is, my friends, Underdog Fantasy, that it's easy to play, and they want to help you guys win cold, hard cash. You can do that in a single game. Underdog has investment from back uh, investment backing from such pe- uh, such luminaries as Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more. They've always been focused on building superior products for a fun user experience and that's where they want to help you guys out uh, by, like I said, winning cold hard cash. By the way, also their customer support team is top notch. If you have any issues whatsoever, they are the best in the business. They'll be happy to help you guys out. Go to underdog fantasy, underdogfantasy.com right now. Use the promo code Locked on and underdog is going to double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. That's easy to easy math. Deposit a hundred dollars, get a hundred dollars from our friends at underdog, uh, underdog using the promo code locked on. Once again, go to underdogfantasy.com or find the underdog fantasy app in the app or Google Play Store. Once again, that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. Get a hundred dollars into the bank, get up to a hundred dollars back from your friends at underdog fantasy, and get in on the college football pick 'em action today. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, A lot of fun to be watching BYU doing what they do, folks. And BYU is starting to really move up the national polls once again. After that win over Baylor, BYU, the first poll of the morning that came out Sunday morning was the coaches poll. BYU had barely gotten into the poll last week. Well, suddenly the coaches were like, or the Sports information directors who might be filling that out for those coaches were like, hey, BYU's pretty good. Well, they vaulted BYU from that number 25 spot up 11 spots to number 14. Notably, one spot in front of their hated rival, the University of Utah. The Utes checking in at number 15. They stayed idle in this week's coaches poll. Shortly thereafter, a poll that you may not be 100% familiar with. It's one that I'm aware of because I'm a member of the Football Writers Association of America. They have they call it the FWAA National Football Foundation Super 16 Poll. So they only rank the top 16 teams rather than 25. BYU made their debut in that poll coming in at number 12. Uh, Utah in that one, number 15. So BYU 2-0, and got 200 121 votes in that to check in at number 12. They were one of four teams to enter the national rankings in that NFF, uh, super 16 poll. And then the poll that outside of the college football playoff poll, because we know that's the one that really matters, but that doesn't come out until November. The poll that I put the most stock in, this is the one that I personally buy into the most. That would be the AP poll. BYU uh, moved up nine spots, number 21 this week to check in at number 12. Yes. BYU is just outside the top 10. Now, uh, Utah, in that poll, dropped a spot to number 14. Obviously, the University of Utah fans are not going to be so happy considering they absolutely crushed Southern Utah, 73-7. to But, you know what? BYU had the more impressive victories and has had the most impressive victories to date in the state. Let's be real. Utah State getting absolutely clobbered by Weber State. The Aggies, by the way, they can just go up there and uh, hang out in Ogden if they want to. But Weber State fans are going to be like, Get out of here. Go back to wherever you came from. <laughs> it's... it's you get the joke. All right. Anyways, moving on with that. Uh, the good news is this week, though, with the AP poll coming out, Oregon moved back into the national rankings just inside at number 25. So it will officially be a top 25 showdown at Autzen Stadium as BYU and the Ducks do battle. I'm looking forward to this game. I think this is going to be a fun one. Uh, of course, BYU's got to maintain their focus. They've got to focus on going 1-0 this week because you can't lose the focus that you have. Well, not, not lose the focus. You can't lose focus, obviously, but you don't want to just uh, squander all the attention coming your way. I'm actually going to pull this up on my phone. It was a really, really good uh, piece uh, from ESPN. It was David Hale uh, for ESPN, and he was writing his two points. Essentially, he writes about some of the big games and two things he took away from that game. And in uh, point one on the BYU-Baylor deal, he says, Jaron Hall might be the most underappreciated QB in college football against Baylor's barbaric defense. That's a great descriptor, barbaric. And without his top two receivers, Hall still delivered an electric performance completing 23 of 39 passes for 269 yards then rushing for 28 yards including some huge scrambles down the stretch while also catching a touchdown pass over his past six games so this goes back to last season folks back to last November Hall has accounted for nearly 2,000 yards of total offense with 17 touchdowns and just three interceptions oh and BYU by the way 6-0 and in those games obviously he's not counting the bowl game because uh, Baylor uh, Romney played that game for BYU with uh, I... Uh-huh. Jaron Hall dinged up in that one. On uh, The other point about this, by the way, I made this point earlier. Why in the world did Jeff Grimes not trust his quarterback? Because point two is Dave Aranda made the bowl call at the end of spring to name Blake Shapen as his starting quarterback, supplanting last year's starter Gary Bohannon. Throughout most of Saturday's game, however, Baylor showed minimal confidence in Shapen's ability to deliver when it mattered despite averages, averaging just 2.9 yards per carry. Baylor ran the ball 52 times, add in 14 penalties, including two false starts in the goal-to-go situation. In double overtime, and it was a game that Baylor is likely to be kicking itself kicking itself over for a while. I was surprised. I, I thought that Blake Shapen he should have been given more of an opportunity. But Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator for BYU, Grimey himself, I've got utmost respect for him because he's just been a great dude uh, to me personally. But for him to essentially take the air out of the ball and say, you know what, we're we're gonna we're gonna crack this defense wide open. We're gonna we're gonna run roughshod like we did a year ago. He defense stood tall and he probably should have re- kind of revamped his thinking and say, you know what, maybe I should get Blake shape in the opportunity. That, by, the, by the way, that's uh, just an observation I've got. Uh, that kind of shows you the difference between Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes. Jeff is a guy, and it, it, to a fault, it, it actually is a very, very admirable quality, but he believes in his game plans. And he goes into these games says, you know what, we're going to do this. It's going to work. He does a great job game planning, but when those game plans don't necessarily go according to plan he is slow to change Aaron Roderick, I can tell you this much, he is a guy who will flip a game plan on its head. He will tear it up in the middle of a game and draw it up on a napkin if he has to. I I, I think that Aaron Roderick, that's one of his chief strengths, is his ability to adapt in-game to whatever scenario is going on. BYU couldn't run the football against Baylor. What does he do? He scripts plays coming out of the start of the game and also in the second half where BYU comes out firing, trying to pass the ball to open up the run game. They were throwing to open up the run. Usually you want to run to open up the pass opportunities. This was kind of the opposite. Aaron Roderick, we are lucky as BYU, as Cougar Nation out there to have him running the BYU offense because with him at the controls, it seems like the sky is limitless. The, 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 it's unlimited potential for BYU's offense. Obviously, having a quarterback, quarterback like Jaron Hall running things makes things a whole lot better, but hey the 12th ranked Cougars they're on the trail to fame and glory as the song says and they're headed to Austin Stadium this week very much looking forward to that we're going to hopefully catch up with Spencer McLaughlin uh, from Locked on Ducks another crossover edition to look at the matchup between Oregon and BYU later this week also stay tuned I uh, going to catch up with Clark Barrington for his weekly visit here on the show as well as the week uh, progresses so should be a fun fun week as it gets ready for that road trip up there to Austin. I know a number of you are probably hitting the road to go to Eugene uh, look very much looking forward to that game by the way should be a fun one All right, we'll finish out today show us some other final thoughts and notes on how other BYU teams performed over the weekend we'll get to all of that in just a moment though first a word on our friends over at uh, let's see I've got got to pull this up here there we go if I can get the right thing to come up geez that was slow to react as brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn it's fall my friends and this is the time you need to get people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders that's where LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you make it easier to find the people you want talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in just minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond with the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire as well. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to talk to and hire. Um, By the way, it's also why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is helping you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job posting for free terms and conditions apply. All right, before we go on today's show, I uh, want to round things out with some notes from the weekend that was in BYU sports. And uh, frankly, for the other BYU sports in action, it was not so fun. Uh, BYU women's soccer got absolutely blitzed on their home field, losing to UVU Saturday night 4-2. to two. That was stunning, frankly. BYU number 13 in the country. They had tied Arkansas Thursday night 3-3, giving up a late goal against the Razorbacks there at Southfield. But suddenly, BYU, in their four-game homestand, uh, excuse me, yeah, it's a four-game homestand, they uh, ended up uh, tying 2-2 with Colorado, losing 3-2 to Alabama, winning 5-0 over CSUN, tying Arkansas 3-3, actually it was a five-game homestand, and then losing to UVU 4-2. That's not the homestand that Jennifer Rockwood planned on having. Uh, BYU is better than that. And I, I think that Jennifer Rockwood is going to be running her charges a little harder this week. They're headed up to Utah State. they got two in-state games coming up. They ho- go to Utah State this week, and then they host Utah back at Southfield. A big week ahead, obviously, for in-state supremacy. But losing to UVU like that, that's mm, that's not fun for BYU. Also, the women's volleyball team uh, lost three straight uh, matches in Georgia. Excuse me, three straight matches uh, to ranked opponents. They lost to number 10 Pitt last Saturday, 3-1. Then they went to the Georgia Tech Classic this past weekend in Atlanta, Georgia, losing in straight sets to number five Georgia Tech, and then following that up with a straight sets loss to number eight Ohio State. Uh, so all of a sudden, the women's volleyball team's on a three match skid. They welcome other U- uh, excuse me. They go to Utah this Thursday to face off against the Utes in their annual clash between the two rivals. Obviously, things not looking so rosy right now for BYU women's volleyball either, but hopefully. Hopefully they can get back uh, on the winning path this week when they take on the Utes. And then the final note for today is that both the men's and women's golf teams open up their fall seasons today. If you're listening to this early enough on a Monday morning, it's probably already underway. Uh, it's going to be an eight o'clock uh, shotgun start for both the men's and women's uh, golf teams. The women's team is taking part in the USF Intercollegiate at the Olympic Club in San Francisco, California. While the men's team is going to be at the Olympic Club Intercollegiate which is also at the Olympic Club. I don't know why they have two different names, but nonetheless they do. Uh, those, ma- those tournaments will go through tomorrow. I believe there are two rounds today. Yes, two rounds today for both of them. One round tomorrow. Best of luck to both the men's and women's golf programs in those matchups. Obviously the men's golf program coming off a stellar season. The women's golf program, a solid year all the way around. But this is where you kind of start that marathon on toward the NCAA championships next spring. You got to have some some good showings in the fall to kind of propel yourself into the spring and it starts this uh, week in San Francisco out there in the Bay. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. A huge thank you once again for your guys' support as always. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, I have secured a couple of things we're going to do. We're going to do a 1,500 subscriber giveaway uh, for hitting 1,500 subscribers here on YouTube. Uh, We'll do that giveaway. I've got to make sure I've got one piece. Piece of the giveaway uh, secured. I'll have more details on that on tomorrow's show for you guys, so stay tuned for that. But a big thank you, as always, once again for making us your first listen. Want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen of the day. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors got you covered every single day with everything going on in BYU's new conference home. By the way, Brett, your mark was in town this past weekend. Uh, I think he was impressed by BYU showing, obviously, in that win over Baylor. So check that out. Locked On Big 12, wherever you get your podcast just like this one. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow with everything else going on in BYU sports media availability today on Monday at noon with Kalani Satake and his players. What did they take away after that big one against Baylor and the film review? Also looking ahead to Oregon. We'll have it all for you guys throughout the upcoming week. So thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.